Daniel chapter number 7. Daniel chapter number 7. Seems strange to go to that chapter. We'll take a short, I mean a, a long time to get through the rest of it. We've been a long time in the first six chapters. We'll probably be twice as long in the last six chapters. The first chapters, and I've done told you this before, that it's divided into two parts. I won't ask you about them tonight. I just believe you already know them. Should have anyhow. Chapter 1 through 6 deals with history and miracles. And uh, we'll show you some things tonight. I believe you'll see it. God took care of those first six things. And then started us with the seventh chapter and the last high for the book of Daniel is prophecy from chapter 7 down through 12. He said, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. There's a lot of preaching and teaching right here, and I trust tonight God will help us with it. Now, I want us to go back in verse number 1. He says, in the first year of Belshazzar. Do you remember who Belshazzar is? Somebody tell me if you know. Don't, I'll remind you in just a second. Huh? Yeah, but who was he? Son of Nebuchadnezzar. That was the answer I was looking for. Of course, you were right too, being... Of king of Babylon. And if you'll remember, chapter 6 didn't uh, mention him. He's dead in chapter 6. But he's not dead in chapter 7. And you probably wonder why is Belshazzar put over in chapter 7 when he died in chapter 6. He's the one that had this another special thing about him. Somebody want to throw that out what it was? He's the one that suffered under the handwriting on the wall. Meany, meany, tickle you farson, which means you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting, and God took his kingdom away from him. Matter of fact, if you'll think of this, and I looked at it, and somebody goes back to our inheritance sometimes, not inheritance, but our heritage. You remember Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and he couldn't get an answer to it. And he going to punish everybody for not giving him answer, but Daniel come through with it. And it uh, seems as Belshazzar had a little dream too there with that thing and couldn't figure it out, you know. It wasn't really a dream on that. seemed like they couldn't figure out what it all means, and he's about like his daddy. Must have got some of that memory loss. But thinking about this tonight, we're going to turn in. The reason it's not mentioned and the reason is because most people who read the book of Daniel believe that 
chapter uh, 7 should be switched between chapter 5 and 6. Well, shouldn't be. Don't say they don't say it that way. They say could have been. But God transposed it so that he could get the history and the miracles together and break it up into two sections. And it sounds reasonable. But we'll find he's in Belshazzar. We come back to him. See, we had Darius in chapter 6. Remember that? And that's who they dealt with. So Cyrus and Darius come along after Belshazzar. So I'm looking at this, and it says in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel, who's our character of the book of Daniel. He's the main character. I went back and looked at it, and here, according to history and time, back and studying history, Daniel was about 85 years old here in chapter 7. He is a young teenager, so it's been a long time that he's been following God. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Now, I'm going to deal with this tonight. I've dealt with this for years and years off and on. But God's people seem to forget. I know this Brother Joe, and I'm not critical of Brother Joe. He don't understand a lot of things. He said he had a dream. Well, I have dreams too. How many years had dreams? If you ain't... <laughs> but you know, you don't take it in this day, you don't take your dreams and visions and try to find an answer to that. God does not, I can prove in the scriptures that God has dealt with dreams and visions in days past, and that's the way He dealt with people. And I want to say this again tonight I don't put any stock in somebody said, I had a vision. Or I had a dream and I dreamed I went to heaven and I had an out-of-the-body experience and all this stuff. I don't put no emphasis on that in this modern day. And I'm going to explain that just a little bit and get into it. First of all, prophecy is a prediction. Something of, if, if you want to, it's the foretelling uh, of the future. We don't have any more prophecy that's come up because we don't have no more prophets. There's another way, another thing. It's not only foretelling the future, but it's forth-telling what's already been prophesied. So when I'm preaching and talking about prophecy in the Scripture, I'm not prophesying to you. I'm telling you what God has already prophesied to you through the prophets. And the reason tonight that uh, we don't have dreams and vision, I'm going to show you this from the Bible because you won't believe me if I don't. And I don't want you to believe me without the Bible. But I'm telling you the reason we don't have dreams and visions and people work on them. Pentecostals are bad about talking about dreams and visions. Some of the Pentecostal preachers preach about they had a vision, they had a dream. I have dreams too. Some of them are not, they ain't nowhere near spiritual. Some of them are nowhere near biblical. 
Amen. And if I counted everything I had as a dream and a vision, amen, I'd, I'd be in a mess. But I hear people talk about it, and I hear them saying, they'll look at me sometimes, isn't it amazing how they do the preacher? They'll say, what does that dream mean? I ain't Daniel. And I'm not a prophet. And so I just, and uh, I try my best to back off. Uh, Brother Joe, he mentions what he did about the dream and the, or the dream he had. That's fine. I've had dreams too, but that don't really mean it. The reason it's not available today and the reason God don't speak to us in dreams and visions, I'm going to prove that in a minute, is because we have something besides dreams and visions to show us what to do. We have got two things. We've got the Holy, Holy Spirit of God that dwells in us, that teaches us, what the truth is. And when Daniel gave us all this, he did not have a full canon or a full course or a full Bible. And you won't have a full Bible even in the days of, of John because it was not full till after the book of Revelation. And even Paul who talked to the preachers and who talked to church he had a dream and all those things, but still the Bible was not complete. Now I don't have to rely on dreams and visions. I've got a full Bible, 66 book books that tells me the truth. And I don't have to look past anything else and God's not going to give us anything else. In our, son, in our lessons on Saturday about the Bible we was talking about, and we was talking about there's no new revelations. I don't care if Moroni did come down and start a religion. I don't care if people do have dreams and start ministries. I don't care if people do have visions. Amen to start works. But there's no thing such, th such thing as that now. So we're foretelling or foretelling. We have insight and foresight now. God puts on the inside of our heart and then we have the foresight of going out and telling it. So now we look here and we find this visions and I'm, we're going to come back to that in just a minute. But I want to throw in Belshazzar who was found in the balance of warning and God took him away from it. And so it comes off with him. But this time, Daniel's got the dream. There's been several years. In chapter 2, we dealt about uh, the, the head of gold, Nebuchadnezzar. And that was some prophetic scripture there, but I didn't deal with it too much at that time because I'm going to be dealing with it more now in this last day. But we are finding that Babylon was the empire that's in play. In chapter 7, because it says, Belshazzar, king of Babylon. See it? So this is Babylon. We'll see in that. But the Bible said here that Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then it said, then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. And that's what chapter 7 is going to be dealing with here 
in, in, in the Word of God tonight. Let me just give you this to put down in your notes. And so when I get there, it won't be a shock to you. There's three visions in this seventh chapter. There's three visions. I'm going to point them out to you right now. And then we're going to go back up to verse number two. The first vision is the one here that Daniel saw. And it's called the four great beasts. You can put that down so you can look at that. There's four great beasts. And uh, you'll see that uh, in verse number three. And four great beasts come up from the sea. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. So he's, his first vision was the four great beasts. Number one. At verse number three. Second one is the vision of the judgment scene. There's going to be a judgment scene in chapter 7. And that will take place over, if you will, in verse number 13 and even goes on down into chapter 7, verse number 22 and 23. Matter of fact, it goes in all that. We'll be dealing with that when we get to it. And then the third vision is when the Son of Man receives the kingdom. And you'll find that is coming out in the last part of chapter 7. So there's three visions that's going to come up. And uh, so we'll see that when we get back there. Now let's go back to chapter number 1 and verse number 1 and 2. And we're going to talk about the word dream for a minute. The word dream by itself, D-R-E-A-M, is mentioned 61 times in the Bible. It starts, and I want you to write these down because you need to go study this. I'm going to give you these. You look it up in your concordance when you get time. In, in uh, Genesis chapter 20 and verse 3, the word dream is mentioned. Let me remind you of the Bible, what we call Bible hermeneutics. Anybody know what that is? Is that a word you don't know? You said, why do I need to know it? It's just a study that they have in all your Bible colleges and places. And, and uh, they teach you this Bible hermeneutics. But it's got a principle. It's the principles of Bible hermeneutics. You said, what's, what's that mean? It, this. If you find something mentioned for the first time in the Bible. And then you go to the second time. You find out what the meaning is for the first one, you'll find that meaning for the second one and the third one and the fourth one. God starts off that and when he does, he gives you words. Did you know the King James Bible is, is a dictionary in itself? It's the only one of all the so-called Bibles that you can get the definition of words from. It's easier. And they say it's archaic and they say it's hard to understand. But it's been proven that the King James Bible is on a fourth and fifth grade level in understanding. <laughs> but they understand the other words so easy. Amen. That's, it's, it's noted that it's in understanding it's on a fourth and fifth grade level said, well, it's hard for me. 
That's because you're not listening to the author. Genesis chapter 20 verse 3 is the first time it's mentioned. And the second time that the word, I mean the last time that the word uh, dream is mentioned in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 17. And I'm going to show you something here in a minute. After Acts 2, 17, you don't find the word dream mentioned anymore. So that teaches you something. That tells you something. The word dreams, which is plural, is mentioned 21 times in the Bible. The first time it's mentioned is found in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 8. And the last time dreams are mentioned is in Acts 2, 17. That teaches us something too. Why ain't it mentioned past Acts? The word visions with an S on it is mentioned 24 verses or 24 times in the Bible. It starts with Genesis 46 verse number 2 and it ends in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 1. It went a little bit further, didn't it? The word vision by itself is mentioned 73 times in the Bible. Now, I wouldn't go through these, but I'm trying to show you what my thought is for visions and dreams and, and why I'm giving you the, the theology tonight that we're not listening or not supposed to be listening to dreams and visions. In Genesis 15 and 1, the first time is, is mentioned, the word vision. And the last time is in Revelation chapter 9 and verse 17. And we'll look at that in just a minute. Matter of fact, I'm not going to look at anything but the, the first and the last. So we, I didn't even, I'm not even going to give you the first time it's mentioned. But you look at it and you'll see it. So I want you to go to Acts 2, 17. And see why that's the last time that dreams are mentioned. Acts 2, 17. In Acts chapter 2, 17, I know I'm taking my time, I'm dragging my feet, but I'm doing it on purpose because I want you to get a hold of this. It's going to make the rest of this book go easier. And I'm trying to get to the base. The Bible said in 2, 17 in Acts, and it shall come to pass. And it shall come to pass. That means that's yet future. In the last days, are we in the last days? It depends on where you're looking at here. Who is it to? This is to the Jew. Saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. We find that's going to happen after the church is caught out of here. We are indwelt by the spirit. Amen. God pours it out on us all the time. Fills us. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. This is the Jew that's going to prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And that's going to happen down the road. When God goes to dealing with the Jew again. You remember the three entities, the Jew, the Gentile, and the church. And you've got to figure out what God and who God is speaking to every time you read in the Bible. 
And he said, And on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above. That's not what he's doing today. He's working with the church. And signs in the earth beneath. Did you know Jews have to have a sign to believe? Most Gentiles do too, and most church folks do. But that's not what God says. We're supposed to take the word of God. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Are you expecting that in the days of the church? I ain't. He said, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. What's the day of the Lord? Tribulation. You understand that? This scripture is given to the Jew. So when they see, dream, uh, see visions and dream dreams, he's talking to the Jew. That's what God has dealt with them all down through the ages. You see? Now, Dreams ends up there, and you don't find the word dream or dreams in the Bible from Acts chapter 2, 17 until you begin to see the visions, and I'll show you that. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, if you remember, you could probably well tell what this is if you've known your Bible and, 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 let, and a lot has been, if you've been studying it for ages. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, It is not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Now why did Paul have visions? He don't have a full Bible yet. The book of Revelation is not finished. Amen. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, such in one caught up to the third heaven. And it said, and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell, uh, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. That was Paul. I believe when he was called up into glory when he was stoned to death at Lystra and pronounced dead, but God raised him back up. So you see, that's the last time that he had a, he had a vision. And then you go to Revelation chapter 9. Revelation chapter 9. Now, this may not convince you, but I'm not trying my best to twist your arm to convince it, but... You keep studying and this is what happens. I'm, I'm sold on what I'm preaching. Amen. I don't put no stock in visions and uh, dreams. Except some of them are troubling. Amen. I've dreamed dreams and don't even know what they were. And they bothered me. Because they, they, were, they weren't good. They weren't good. I mean, hey amen. You fall off a cliff or something, you wake up, you know, and think, that was a tough one. Fall out of the bed or something. Amen. But Revelation chapter 9 and verse 17, and this is when the sixth trumpet sounds, the tribulation's going on, and it said, And thus I saw the horses in the vision. That's where these Jews are going to start seeing these things. And the visions are starting to be seen again. You understand that? 
in the tribulation. And them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire, and adjacent and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. Yep, this is going to get tough. We're going to see a lot of things that you didn't see. The book of Daniel is one of the hardest books to understand in the Old Testament, and the book of Revelation is one of the hardest books to understand in the New Testament, and you can't understand either one of them unless you compare them together. Amen. Amen. The book of Daniel sets off to itself in the Old Testament. The book of Revelation sets off to itself in the New Testament. There are other books that back it up, and the other books in the Bible help both of those to be able to under, understand them. Understand? Amen. The Bible is a tremendous book. The word revelation is mentioned ten times in the Bible, and I read them, and I think we went through those down at study last week. I won't take the time to do that right now. But I want to add this in before we get into this thing. I don't have to put in what I'm fixing to tell you now. But if you're not satisfied tonight that the Bible is the Bible and the Bible is the Word of God and that the Bible says what it means and it means what it says and it's a divine book, if you're not satisfied tonight with that, you're going to be lost out completely in the last half of the book of Daniel. Because you have to trust the Bible. Some folks can't trust it for salvation. And if they can't trust it for salvation, they'll never trust it for prophecy. One of the hardest things to trust for your soul tonight is the Word of God. We twist it, we waller around with it, we throw it to and fro, we try to interpret it by our own minds, and our minds are not capable of handling the Word of God. I can't figure out the Bible. I've done it a few times and tried to, and I've ended up in a mess. The Bible is not a book to be figured out. It's a book to be believed. And so I'm saying to you tonight, if you don't believe the Bible, and that's why I'm so hung on the King James, and that's why it's so important, and that's why I push it so hard. The devil's got so many out there that read so many different things, and if they read so many different things, they don't read the same thing. They count, can they be the same book? So I hold to the King James and, and believe that tonight. And I believe this book from Genesis to Revelation. I don't understand all of it, but I do believe every word of it. And we've got to get that. But to help us a little bit with this tonight, I'm going to give you a few verses. And this is no means in any form, shape, or fashion that I'm going to cover everything that I need to cover here. But I'm going to give you some things to show you that the first coming was prophesied for ages before it happened. Such phrases as Isaiah 9, 6, Behold, a virgin shall bring forth a child. You remember that? I'm just giving you a couple off the top of my head. Like in chapter 7 and verse number 14 of the book of Isaiah, the government's going to be upon his shoulder 
He's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Has He ever been called that in on this earth before? Some have called Him that, but He's never had a divine title given across the land. That's a prophecy yet still in the future. But 9-6 of Isaiah has already happened. At the fullness of time in Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4, he was born of a woman at the appointed time, right on time, not early, not late. He was born and wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger according to the book of Luke. Right? Now how do you know he was born? Because I've been taught that preacher. That ain't good enough. Because the Bible told you. Inspired of the Holy Ghost, God pinned down the word and he told you that he would be born of a virgin and then he told you that he was born of a virgin. Because he tells us in the book of Matthew that she was with child of the Holy Ghost in the book of Luke and Matthew. You understand? So I'm not taking some philosopher's idea or thought that he was virgin born. I'm taking my Bible. I don't care what Dr. Bottle Stopper said. There's preachers that will deny the virgin birth. They're not saved. You can't be saved if you deny the virgin birth. Because you've got a sinner that's a savior. And a, a virgin birth kept him from dying on the cross of Calvary as a sinner. He was without sin. And that's why he had to have the virgin birth. All this, you understand, this is doctrines that, I mean, we, we are to hammer on and we do hammer on them quite often. I'm going to give you these verses. We're going to look them up. I don't know where they are, 10, 12, 14. And it's important, this probably be about all I'll get done tonight. But I'm trying to lay a framework, a baseline, and get down to the bottom to recognize the rest of the book of Daniel. In the first coming, and I'm just going to give you the ones tonight that I can tell you uh, that's been prophesied, and all of these were prophesied way prior to Christ's coming. And there are hundreds of years before some of them did take place. But the ones I'm going to mention to you tonight took place in the last week that Jesus was on the earth. I mean, before the crucifixion. The last week of his crucifixion, these took place. Now, isn't that something? First of all, you can turn to the book of Zechariah. I'll give you two or three places in the book of Zechariah. And you know where it is? It's right over toward Matthew. Don't go all, go all the way. It's the next two, the last book, Malachi. And so we're going to look at Zechariah, and I want to go to chapter 11. And I want you to go to verse number 12 in chapter 11. And I want you to look at this. First of all, before he is ever born on this earth, it was prophesied that he would be, uh, full, he would be uh, betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. 
Zechariah chapter number 11, verse number 12. And I said unto them, If ye think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. So that don't mean that was Judas's carry. Well, let's just look on. Verse 13, And the Lord said unto me, Cast it under the potter. What did Judas Iscariot do with the 30 pieces of silver? He went back and gave it to the priest and said, Just get a potter's field to bury. A goodly price that I was prized out of them. And I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. He went back to the priest. That's what he done. Now that was prophesied before it was ever done. Nobody should have been upset at all when they recognized that Judas Iscariot betrayed Christ for 30 pieces of silver. Oh, what a rascal. But the Lord already had it planned. Amen? Look at Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. In Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10, it says, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Amen. They pierced his side, did they not? And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. Is he not the only son? And shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. He was also the firstborn of God. Understand? So if, if you can accept these, you can accept the rest of it. And I give God the praise and the glory for it anyhow. Now go take your Bible and go to Psalm 41 and verse 9. Psalm 41 and verse 9. You may think this is foolish and too taking too long to do, but there's just so much we don't know about the Bible, we need to bring it out and see it. Psalm 41 and 9 says, Yea, mine own familiar friend. Would you say Judas Iscariot was a familiar friend of Jesus? In whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. That's there, isn't it? Do you believe that Judas is carried done that? Sure. Look at Psalm 35 and verse 11. Now what I'm talking about now, you can write a book on. I ain't got, I'm just giving you dozen or so of these. Psalm 41 and 9, uh, Psalm 35 and 11 says, False witnesses did rise up. They laid me to charge things that I knew not. Did they have false witnesses? What they say? Crucify him, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. Crucify him. Amen. Now listen. Can you go to Isaiah 53 and 7? Several in Isaiah 53, the chapter that we talk about 
how you win a Jew to the Lord. You can't win him with Romans 10 because he don't have the New Testament and don't want it and won't accept it because he don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. But in Isaiah 53, 7, it said, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not, openeth not his mouth. Did he do that? Is that what he done? He kept his mouth shut. Matter of fact, reading the Bible, and they said, what do you say for yourself? And he said, thou sayest. He didn't argue. None of that. Look at Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. They, they whipped him. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we're healed. Did they do it? Amen. Let's, let's look and see if I can find another in here. Look at Isaiah 53 and 12. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Did he do that? God prophesied he would. He did. Give God the glory. Let's go to the Psalm 22. Go back to Psalm 22. I'll give you a few of these. Uh, like I say, I'm just going to give you a few of them and we're going to go on. But I want you to look in Psalm chapter 22. And I like this. There's a lot of other things. And I just thought of another that I'm fixed to go to here. And I probably won't get to it. But it said in chapter 22, verse 16, it said, For the dogs have compassed me. The dogs was the Gentiles too, by the way. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. Then it said, they pierced my hands and my feet. And when these people say that they tied him to the cross with straps, I say, read Psalm twenty-two sixteen. They pierced his hands and they pierced his feet. Amen. In Psalm 22, verse 18, it said, they part my garments among them and cast lots for my vesture. Did they do that? This is hundreds of years before Christ did it. Look at Psalms 22, verse 7 and verse 8. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, and of course that's what they've done. He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighteth in him. And that's what they cried at the cross. Amen. Look at 22.1. It says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Christ cried that out on the cross. One of the seven sayings at the crucifixion. A seven sayings of Christ from the cross. I've got a message I preached, I mean, ages back. On the seven sayings of Christ, uh, well, for the people to the cross. 
He had seven sayings from the cross and there's seven sayings to the cross. I ain't preached that here. I know I hadn't. Amen. Look at Psalm 69, verse 21. I believe David knowed a whole lot about this, don't you? Psalm 69, verse 21 says, They gave me also gall for meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Remember that? Look at Psalms 34, 20. I didn't put these in order, I guess I should, but didn't. I just get them as I could think of them. Psalm 34, 20. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. That's why they didn't break his legs on the cross of Calvary. He prophesied they would. They broke the other two, the thieves. You understand that? So I'll stop right there, but I'm telling you, We'll look at this. There's prophecy to the Jews. Then there's prophecy to the Gentiles. And then there's prophecies to the church. And that's basically what I said a while ago. We've got to figure out in prophetic theology, we've got to figure out who God is speaking to. The Jews are never going to go through the rapture except the ones that are born again in the church. Amen. And the saved people are not going through tribulation. Understand, God's going to deal with the Jew there. All right. And tribulation, amen, uh, is important for us to understand. We must rightly divide the word of truth or we're going to be in trouble. When I read a verse of scripture, I look at it and Lord, who are you speaking to? He's speaking to everybody on the earth. He's either speaking to me to straighten me out or speaking to me to show me the truth. Some things don't apply to me, but they apply to the Jew, but God is letting me see it so I'll know. And I won't be in the dark and I won't misconstrue the scriptures. So when I read the Bible, I say, Lord, who is this speaking to? And when you when he goes calling it brethren, and I know that's automatic to the church. You don't call the Jews brethren. They call he calls the Jews what? His elect. Unless the, you listen to the reformed, and they think the reformed is the the elect is those that uh, God has elected in this modern day. And that's why you can, you can prove all your religions by rightly dividing the word of truth. Sometimes it's confusing to understand them and sometimes you have a little trouble, but it's there. Now the book of Daniel is prophetic. He's a prophet. It's the foreview of the Gentile nations here starting in chapter 7 of the book of Daniel. And he's telling us as a foreview of the Gentile nations and their last ruler, which is going to be the Antichrist. Let me give you this. I know you may be already past what you want, but let me give you this.
I mean, I can, I can talk about this all night. Amen. But Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, God's showing us something here. He said in chapter, uh, chapter 24, verse 15, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel, God honors Daniel. The what? Prophet. Stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. He's talking to the Jews. Amen. And then we get on down and look at it. And uh, so I appreciate the Lord and what God is doing. Uh, let me see if I want to just give you another thought or two and then we'll go. And we're going to talk about those visions next week that I mentioned to you a little earlier. And we're going to talk about these four beasts. I'll throw this in to let you chew on it and think on it for just a little bit. And then we're going to go. In verse number... Yeah, I guess I better get back to Daniel. Back Verse number 2, Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds... We're going to talk about the four winds and just, I won't do it tonight because it's, we'll do it next week, Lord willing. The four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. We're going to talk about the great sea. What is the great sea in the Bible? What sea is it? Huh? What's the great sea in the Bible? I'll give you scripture to prove it. It always, the great sea, that's only one sea that's called the great sea. And it's the sea around Israel over there. It's called the Mediterranean Sea. And every time you find the great sea, and the great sea is mentioned uh, several times, 13 verses in the entire Bible. And every time it's talking about the Mediterranean Sea. So all this about Daniel is going to take place in Israel. Amen. Isn't that amazing? God's got it all planned out. These four beasts. It's basically the same thing we done saw before. He calls it the lion. Head of gold before, but now it's the lion. And then he had the second beast is the bear. The third one is the leopard. And the fourth one, he don't tell you what it is. But the first one, and everybody says, well, the lion, and, and then it's got eagle's wings and all that, and it's lifted up, and, uh, you know, or, or it's wings. Being, and they'll say, that's America, and then the black bear uh, is going to be Russia. That's not talking about them nations. He's talking about something else. These are, will represent this, but I'm going to tell you, the lion devours. The bear crushes. And the leopard sucks the blood out of you. And did you notice in verse 7, I saw in the night visions and behold a fourth beast. It don't have no animal structure to it. It says dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. And it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue 
with the feet of it. In other words, it goes on down and says, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. In other words, it's got it's such a ferocious thing that's going to be worse than the bear, the lion, and the leopard. And it's going to be the tribulation and the antichrist. Do you understand some of this? Does this, does this cloud the issue for you? I hope it don't. Because we're going to get deeper into this. The book of Daniel is not an easy book. And it's not a smooth book. If you study it like you ought to, it's a scary book. But we're not under that. God is going to take care of us. We're not going to be here. Amen. All right. I guess you had enough. We'll pray. Our Father, we thank you tonight for the goodness of God. Watch over us. Take care of us while we're studying this book. And I pray, God, that we might learn it as we ought to, that we get a full look at it and get a good application. And may it help us to understand the book of Revelation and even in our day where we are and what you're going to do and what you are doing. We give you the praise and the glory. Touch us, give us understanding and wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, thank you for coming.